0: What a great day we've got going on today. A little overcast here today, but what are you going to do? Hey, I hope everybody is having a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful morning. we got a monster for you coming up. we got a couple things that i got to get into. First and foremost, Roger Goodell. I've never heard a commissioner speak the way... Oh boy, I forgot my mic. I've never heard a commissioner speak the way that Roger Goodell spoke about a current player. Now, I want you to think about this. Can we put this up? Roger Goodell talking about, well, Deshaun Watson. Now, we all understand that Deshaun Watson is got a six-game suspension looming. We all understand that it's gone to what? It's gone to arbitration. We all understand that that arbitration is now becoming something more. Well, we've seen the evidence. She was very clear talking about... Uh, Judge Robinson, she was very clear about the evidence. She reinforced the evidence. There were multiple violations that were egregious, and it was predatory behavior. Now, understand this. Understand that this is Roger Goodell talking about his player, a player that is a, I guess, superstar. You don't see this very often. You really don't. Roger Goodell must feel incredibly strong that this is needs to be a year, that's what reports are, and an indefinite suspension. I got to tell you, when I saw this yesterday by Goodell, I thought to myself, are you serious? Are you kidding? I've never seen a commissioner do this. I think this is very bad for Deshaun Watson, the Browns, and their camp. Look, I'm not saying he's influencing, but it sure seems to me That at least at minimum, he is attempting to influence the court of public opinion. He's trying to say, look, here's the deal. Yes, our appointed arbitrator, Judge Robinson, yes, she gave him six games, gave him, Deshaun Watson, six games. Okay, fine. But that's not enough. This is predatory. So what he's doing is he's getting out in front of anything that may happen if the sentence gets longer. What he's doing is he is saying, yes, yes, the judge saw the evidence. Yes, she said that Deshaun Watson was guilty. Yes, yes, that's what she said. And so we don't think the punishment fits the crime. We think the punishment should be longer. That's what he's saying in this. Now, here's the deal. When you look at all things media, you have no idea whether or not Roger Goodell is actually saying he wants a year. You have no idea whether Roger Goodell wants an indefinite suspension and a big fine. That's what most media outlets seem to be thinking. But the truth of the matter is we really don't know. But what we do know based on that statement is that Roger Goodell is not happy. You know, it would be interesting to know what happened as soon as the ruling from Judge Robinson came down. What was the reaction? Hostility? Blanked off? What was it? You know what I'm saying? Because you think you're going to get something. You don't get something. You look at it. Now, you're the guy. You're the guy that has to take all the heat. There have been articles written all over the place about Roger Goodell Uh, And he's the reason that the NFL is in this predicament. Look, I don't blame Roger Goodell for any of this. You've got a league. You've got uh, front office. You've got coaches. You've got players. It's pretty simple. Be accountable for your own actions. Look, it's one thing to say something. It's one thing to do something once. But we're talking about many, many here. And Roger Goodell, frankly, is getting out in front of this. And he's letting everybody know, I am not happy about the result from the arbitrator. And I want this changed. I got to tell you, can we put that quote up again, uh, Dylan and Ryan? I got to tell you, I've never seen anything like it. I honestly haven't. I've never seen a sitting commissioner say things about a player that he was predatory. I've never seen this that strong. Now, maybe you have. Maybe you've seen it somewhere else, but I kind of sort of looked. I mean, remember when Michael Jordan left baseball and there were all these gambling allegations? There wasn't any of this. And look, all I know is Deshaun Watson is one of the biggest stars in in the biggest sport in the country. Deshaun Watson, to me, is a guy... That has to be sitting there right now with his lawyers going, what do you think? What do you think? You heard anything? What do you think? Goodell came out and Goodell came out strong. And frankly, I'm surprised. I really am. Usually one of the things about Roger Goodell is he is literally the human punching back. He's the guy that gets banged up. Boom, 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 boom. Bullets fly. Everybody comes at him. He's standing there <clears throat> with his arms wide open in front of the whole league. Ready to take everything, including he's standing there with his arms wide open, ready to take whatever the hell it is that they want to throw at him in front of the owners. He takes it. I've never really seen him give it back like that. That's bad news. That's really bad news for Deshaun Watson and his camp. Man, I, I don't think I'm overstating it. I honestly don't. I think this is a huge story. Now, nobody knows when it is going to come down, when the ruling is going to come down, the new ruling. I mean, we got ruling, then we got another ruling, and then we got another ruling. I mean, who the hell knows when it's going to come down? But the one thing I would say is Deshaun Watson is in serious trouble here. And I'm not going to be surprised if these reports that we've seen in the media aren't true. Year suspension, indefinite suspension. Year out, indefinite suspension. Dan, why the indefinite suspension? Well, because I say it all the time. They want to know if more is coming. It's what they want to do. Uh, And then, of course, a fine. That's it. That's what they want to do. And I'm not going to be surprised because it makes sense, at least based on what Goodell said. Goodell could have said it lighter. Goodell could have said it in a different way, but he was very, very clear on his thoughts on Deshaun Watts, very clear, clearer than I've ever seen. And I'll go to different places. Like I'll get on my phone and I'll go to Twitter to people watching this. And if you have a place, if you have somewhere where it has been harsher from a commissioner to a player after a ruling has come down. Now, maybe when something happens, they say, look, this is egregious. Or maybe when somebody goes to jail, I don't know. You know, we've seen Ray Carruth and others go to jail, and maybe, maybe, just maybe, the commissioner, I don't know if it was Goodell at the time, commented like this about that. That's different. This is a suspension. This isn't jail time. This isn't murder. And I'm shocked. I'm not going to lie. I'm totally shocked that this is the way this came down. It's amazing to me. Uh, absolutely amazing. One of the mysteries that happened yesterday. And I'm looking for it, and I'm looking for it, and I'm looking for it. You know, Sean McVay is one of the biggest stars in the NFL. I know he's a coach. I know he's a coach of the Rams. But you can't swing a dead cat. I don't know why you'd want to swing a dead cat, but that was always the saying in our neighborhood, man, you can't swing a dead cat without, I don't know, fill in the blank. You can't swing a dead cat without, boom, I don't know. That's what everybody said. I maybe it's offensive. I don't know, but that's what I say. You can't swing a dead cat without seeing Sean McVay on some type of cover of something in some commercial, doing some photo shoot, in some kind of publicity pose. You can't. Now, basically, he signed an extension. And he said, yeah, look, I signed an extension this offseason. And I'm looking. Again, I'm doing all these things. I'm looking. I'm looking, I'm looking, and I'm looking. And I'm saying to myself, where is it? You know, when Sean McVay, look, if uh, the kicker for the Colts signs an extension, hell, it would probably make the newspaper or make my show or make, you know, one of the blogs. McVay says he signed an extension with the team during the offseason. The GM, Les Snead, says the deal's still in the works. This is very odd. Here's the headline. Head coach Sean McVay said Tuesday he signed a contract extension during the offseason, but the team is waiting to announce it until general manager signed the extension as well. McVay was asked, we're in a good place. I feel real good about the direction that it's going. I think it'll be something where it'll be me and Les, and you guys will know when it's finalized. So he says he signed it. We wanted to be able to announce when both of us had gotten it done, McVay said. All right. Okay, I don't get it. I like it. So he signed it, and Les Snead still is in the works. That's a big deal in the NFL because Sean McVay's a big deal. He's the savant. He is the absolute savant. He's the guy. Like, I'm telling you, if you were going to say to me, all right, let's look at your commercials. That's how you kind of do it, right? Isn't that like Charles Barkley, Tony Romo, Shaq, McVeigh's in there, not as much. Uh, who am I missing? Aaron Rodgers had the state farm. Patrick Mahomes was in there during football season. But McVeigh's in there as one of the biggest stars ever. And all of a sudden I've signed. It just struck me as odd. It just did. It struck me as like, huh, I'm not saying good or bad. It just, you know, I've signed an extension, but really I haven't. That seems odd to me. Again, it's not odd if you're the center for the Colts. Although Ryan Kelly's a great guy, and I would celebrate him getting an extension. But this is one of the biggest stars. I just saw the cover, I think it was, of ESPN.com, and he's sitting there looking all sexy, pull side. Every other day, I read something about Sean McVay's Instagram wife or girlfriend, or I don't know, some, I don't even know. But if he signed an extension, all of a sudden, yeah, I signed an extension, and well, you know, Les has got to sign it. and we will tell you all about it. Oh, all right. That might be why we like McVay, because he's honest. Seriously, think about it. That might be why we like him. You know what? He's honest. Yeah, I signed an extension. We're waiting on it to get done. Instead of this big thing. I ain't mad about it, but the whole thing seemed weird to me. All right, NFL people. I talked to Mike Lombardi yesterday on my show. NFL people, can you shut the hell up about Bill Belichick not having an offensive coordinator? Lombardi said something that was very interesting to me. You know what he said? He said, hey, Dan, he goes, look, Belichick has never put titles here. Now, I don't know whether that's true or not. I didn't go back and research the title of Josh McDaniels or Matt Patricia when they were with the Patriots. I didn't go back and look. I didn't go back and say, hey, wait a second here. That doesn't say. But what I do know, and this is what Lombardi said, uh, I do know this. I do know that whatever Belichick does is going to be for the good of the team. It's a story because of this. We learned this with Urban Meyer, and now we're learning it with Matt Rule. If you're not of the NFL box, if you're not on the NFL rails, meaning you didn't come up through the NFL... And you don't do it the way the media wants it. We got an offensive coordinator. We got a defensive coordinator. Maybe one of the two is, is the, uh, associate head coach. I don't even know. But if you don't do it that way, then everybody gets crabby with you. Everybody loses their freaking mind with you. No, that's not what needs to happen here. You simply need to say, wait a second. Well, let's see what happens. Apparently, Mac Jones has struggled a bit in camp. Shouldn't you struggle in camp? Shouldn't a second-year quarterback struggle in camp against a veteran defense coached by Bill Belichick? I mean, isn't that what should happen? I'm asking you here. Isn't that something where you go, yeah, you know what? Belichick's defenses have always been pretty good. Even going back to when he was assistant under Parcells. People have always said, "Man, I'm Peyton Manning." Always said this. Yeah, I learned how to play against Belichick's defenses. So, doesn't it stand a reason that a second-year quarterback, Mac Jones, might just struggle a little bit, a tad, a taste against a Bill Belichick defense in camp? But he struggles, and everyone saying, "Well, you know." If he just had an offensive coordinator, really? So no one's ever struggled with an offensive coordinator. I tell you this right now, Colts have an offensive coordinator and I'm going out to Colts camp later today, but the Colts have an offensive coordinator and you know what the deal is? The deal is the timing is off. The receivers are dropping balls. Matt Ryan so far has not totally connected with his offense yet. They love the pace of play, they love the urgency, they love his reads, but there is a disconnect, according to everyone that's been out there between Ryan and the wide receiver. It happens, it's camp, for crying out loud. Colts have, well, the quarterback whisperer and offensive coordinator de facto in Frank Reich. They've got Marcus Bailey, Bradley, excuse me, Marcus Brady, the offensive coordinator, and they got a thirty. 30- nine-year-old quarterback. They got a 110-year-old quarterback who's seen every defense, and yet they're struggling. So every time you open up one of these football apps or shows or whatever, will you please just remember it's training camp? Mac Jones said, I'm going to figure it out. He said it today. I'm going to figure it out. I always have, always will. I, I, I think he will. I don't know what's on my neck, but I keep grabbing at it. So just shut up. And the reason is simple, right? The reason is these guys right here in the media want it so that they can understand it. Offensive coordinator, I understand. He coordinates the offense. Defensive coordinator, I understand. He coordinates the defense. Wait a second. This is chaos. We don't have an offensive coordinator. What is going on here? Is Matt Patricia calling the plays? But wait a second. Matt Patricia, pencil behind the ear. He's a defensive guy. Chill, yo. Chill. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm looking, and people are literally every day discussing this. Every day. They're all over this. Every day. I'll bet you this. Now, look, I'm not going to say that Belichick and his team are going to be great. I'm not going to say that at all. I don't know what's on my neck. I'm not going to even begin to say that. I'm not. But what I am going to say is, if anybody, again, I don't know, but if anybody deserves the benefit of the doubt in terms of getting his team ready, I feel like it's Belichick. Now, make no mistake, and this is true. I don't care what anybody said. This is true. Belichick has lost the Brady-Belichick marriage. He's lost that. Like, he ain't winning that bad boy. Period. No, That's over. But, well, it's not over. I digress. I was actually looking at Marshawn Lynch's car. Holy hell. Uh, anyway, it's not over. But it's close. And Belichick needs a big year. We were all going to watch, right, the Belichick-Brady thing? Right now, Brady, 100-1, landslide, Nixon over Mondale. Was it Nixon over Mondale? I think it was Nixon over Mondale. Route. We'll see what happens this year, but right now, woo, a lot of heat on Bill Belichick, and I'm telling you, relax. Relax on Mac Jones. Relax on the whole thing. They may not be great because they don't have good enough players, but they are not going to be awful because they don't have a defensive coordinator name, an offensive coordinator name. Stop it. Um, Let's get to Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lynch got arrested about seven-something in the morning. He was uh, driving a 2020 Shelby GT500. He was in Vegas. He went crazy. No tires on this bad boy. Rims resting on the pavement. No tires. Uh, I'm sorry. They saw Lynch parked at 545. And then all of a sudden, two hours later, they arrested. He exited his car to sit on the curb. He got hammered. I mean, I got to tell you. Uh, Lynch left a trail of damage on the road until his car finally stopped. Driving into roadside curbs, he got himself a DUI, failure and refusing to surrender proof of security, unregistered vehicle, and failure to drive in a practice or a uh, traffic lane. Those are just add-ons. My man was hammered in Vegas at 5:40 to 7:40 in the morning and left the trail. And that ain't good. Marshawn Lynch is an interesting dude, right? Marshawn Lynch obviously should have gotten the football and ran it in, and the Seahawks would have won a Super Bowl, another Super Bowl. But they did. That's the first part of the story. The second part of the story is Marshawn Lynch became, you know, this tough guy, interview guy. I'm only here so I don't get fined guy. And then people started looking into Marshawn Lynch and they realized what a kind soul this man is. Man, is he giving back to his community? In Oakland, he's doing a lot of things. Marshawn Lynch became really rich. He became the Skittles guy because he liked Skittles. He started buying franchises, indoor football league, soccer, that kind of thing. Now, uh, not soccer, some kind of, I don't even know, some kind of football league where I think everybody can play. I don't know. But the truth of the matter is, now Marshawn Lynch has a problem. And I hate to see it because I enjoy Marshawn Lynch. I do. I enjoy watching a guy like Marshawn Lynch charm everybody. And that's exactly what he did. He stayed true to who he was, and he charmed everybody. I'm a big fan. In fact, I didn't really even want to report this, but I got so many things. What do you think? What I think? I think Marshawn Lynch made a dumbass decision. I think Marshawn Lynch was a fool for driving impaired. There's a lot of ways you don't have to. And you do it in Vegas, guess what? People are watching. Don't think for a second that you're going to Vegas, and you're going to act a fool, and Vegas ain't used to it. Vegas is used to it. I mean, there's a scene basically in The Hangover where they go into the doctor and the doctor's like, yeah, I mean, you think you're the first guys to come in here? He didn't say that. Vegas folks are used to the craziness, and I mean the absolute craziness, of people in Vegas. Now, the levels are different, obviously. You know, drunken frat boy jumping in the pool when he's not supposed to, that's one thing. Guys, you know, passing out in bars, that's another thing. People stumbling down the street and falling down and cracking their head, that's another. But you can't get into Shelby, drive crazy, and the next thing you know, you're in jail. You can't do it. We'll see what happens with Marshawn Lynch. But I don't like it because I've always liked Marshawn Lynch. I have. I got a kick out of him. I'm only here so I don't get fined. He said what everyone was thinking. He did. And then he charmed people. And then when you look at his background, man, he's doing really good things. I respect people that are doing really good things, and Lynch is. So we'll see what happens here. But that's a damn shame. Stupid, too. Uh, Latest in the, hey, look, I want to be traded. Roquan Smith wants out of Chicago. Now, Roquan Smith's a fool for this. He doesn't feel appreciated by the Bears. Let me explain to you what being appreciated by the Bears is. Now, he's in contract talks. I get that. But when you're on the Bears and your team stinks and you're a high-profile guy, if you have a good agent, you can get a lot done in Chicago. You can. He's a good player. He's a tough guy. Great name. He can get a lot done there. Get a smart agent. Now you got Matt Eberfluss coming in there. Now, wait. Hey, make no mistake. Whether Matt Eberfluss becomes the next Vince Lombardi, George Halas, Bill Belichick, I got no idea. But one thing Matt Eberfluss is, a defensive coach. Matt Eberflus could make Roquan Smith a star. Like, if Shaq Leonard of the Colts was in Chicago or L.A., New York, you'd be seeing posters of Shaq Leonard everywhere. Those of you that aren't familiar, it's Darius Leonard. It was Darius Leonard. He changed his name to Shaq, and I respect it. As I've said, every guy that I've ever seen named Shaq seems like a badass. But Roquan Smith wants out because he's not appreciated. Well, what are you going to do? Who is appreciated? Raise your hand. Who's always appreciated? Ain't nobody always appreciated. You don't appreciate me. All right. Well, I'll start appreciating you. And they drafted him. That's appreciation. They started him. That's appreciation. Signed him to a contract. That's appreciation. The interesting thing with NFL players and players and actually broadcasters and everybody is simply this. It's this. I... I'm a man. This is a business. That's what they always say. Broadcasters do too. Hey man, I'm a man. I understand. Hey, it is a business. Until what? Until it doesn't go your way. Then it becomes sensitive. I'm not appreciated. Then it becomes, well, you know. That's insulting. Wait a second, you're a man and it's a business. You want to be unappreciated? Have kids. I look back on what, how I treated my mother and father, and I'm like, yeah, pretty unappreciative. My kids are great with it, actually. But the truth of the matter is, I don't want to hear about I'm a man, I don't want to hear about this is a business, because uh, that is feelingless, right? And then all of a sudden it doesn't go your way, I'm not appreciated. Oh, all right. I don't get If I'm the bear's, Uh, Roquan, uh, this Roquan? Yeah, I'm looking at my phone. Roquan, yeah, how are you? Uh, coach, I want to be traded. I'm not appreciated. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, coach, uh, seriously, I want to be traded. No, I get it. You want to be traded? Uh, yeah, I want to be traded. Okay, well, understand this, Roquan. There's, uh, two sides to this. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's two sides to this. One is your side. The other is our side. Uh, Yes, Roquan. No, I want to be Good. Um, Look, that's great. We'll see you at practice tomorrow, Roquan. What do you mean? Well, I mean, I understand you want to be traded. I had a friend that used to tell his wife, hey, I know you're mad at me. I know you're really mad at me, but I don't want to hear about it. Can you imagine telling your wife, I know you're mad at me. I understand you're mad at me. Yeah, I just don't want to hear about it. Roquan. I know you're mad, or or what, Kareem Hunt, I know you want to trade. Uh, we got practice. I don't want to hear about it. That's old school. That's not right, but we'll see. All right. This just broke, and I don't know what to make of this. Wake Forest has a stud quarterback. His name is Sam Hartman. He's going to be out for an extended period of time due to non-football issues. After workouts, he sought medical attention for a condition unrelated to football. Details were not, or excuse me, details were withheld due to privacy restrictions. Medical personnel ran tests on Hartman and determined he should be withheld from competition indefinitely. Uh, Hartman said, Tuesday was a frustrating day, but I'm grateful for our medical staff and for Dr. Chris Miles Miles and Niles Fleet. For staying with me throughout the process, I look forward to attacking this rehabilitation process, and so appreciative of the support I've received from my family, teammates, and coaches. Uh, last year, Hartman, who's a three-year starter, led Wake to an Atlantic or an ACC Atlantic Division title and a Gator Bowl win. He threw for 4,200 yards. He counted for 50 total touchdowns. Um, yeah, there's nothing here. There's nothing here that says anything about this. I don't like it. I don't. You know me. I don't like when young people get injured. I don't like when young people have problems. So my prayers are now going to include Sam Hartman. They are. I'm trying to learn from a man named Aaron Spielberg. Aaron Spielberg is like our boss. So I'm learning this TV thing. I don't know if you noticed yesterday. But yesterday, instead of doing one top five list and me droning on and on and on, I did two top five lists, and it was easier for me. So I called them before the show, and I told them it's the greatest thing ever. Aaron Spielberg also told me that I need to tease the next segment. I like it. We do teases in radio all the time. Mike Greenberg's the greatest tease guy in the history. Howard Stern is second on the radio. I've never been a great tease guy but here it comes. this is for you Aaron because you've taught me in one phone call a lot about a lot about doing this. Hey, did you ever hear of someone dying in a vat of something? Did you? Did you ever hear of a national championship trophy actually runner-up trophy being disrespected? When we come back, I'm going to tell you about a dude that died falling into something. That's for you, Aaron. Be right back. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. It is Wednesday, which means it's a what-the-hell Wednesday. I got to tell you, when I was a kid, you drive into Chicago And on the right, right at the Skyway, and a lot of you will remember this, were these big silos, and they said Falstaff on them. Falstaff was a beer. I think it was made right there in Chicago, right? So we always used to say, oh, you know, if I ever fell into that, I'd just drink my way out of it. Ah, right? I mean, that was the level of stupid. All right. Well, on July 19th, and this is horrific. And there's video of it if you want to see it. But on July 19th or 29th, a man in India, his name is Mutha Swami. He was ch- in charge of overseeing the production and preparation of porridge. You know what porridge is? Basically oatmeal for an upcoming festival. He was bracing himself against one of the cauldrons, and it's, and, and it's got a big thing on it. And next thing you know, he tumbled back into it and died. He tumbled back into it, and it's, it would be literally like you're in a hot tub of porridge. A lot of people tried to get him out. They couldn't get him out. And he died in a vat of porridge. They don't know why that he fell back in, but his wife did say that he had epilepsy. So he fell back in. It is one of the saddest things you're ever going to see. Don't even look at it. It's actually in the New York post. And frankly, uh, you see it right there. It's one of the most awful things. I mean, when I when we, I'm serious, we we're growing up, that's what you used to say, right? And somebody eventually did die. Somebody climbed to the top of this Falstaff thing to see what was in there, and they fell in. There wasn't anything in there, it just fell. That is one of the most horrific things I have ever heard of. We try to give you some weird stuff. Normally it's not that dramatically horrendous, but I gotta tell you, that is dramatically horrendous. Period. A lot of ways you want to go, that ain't one. You know, I used to talk about on my show, stabbed, shanked, or shot. I always said stabbed or shanked are kind of the same thing. The only difference is um, I got a knife, I stab you. I got something in my hand, I break it, and I shank you. Both are stabbed. I always thought shot would be the best way. It's it's less personal. But now I got to add falling into a scalding hot vat of something. Horrible. Absolutely horrible. Man. All right, next. This is, well, this is the power of Alabama football. This is the expectation, I should say, of Alabama football. They call it a participation trophy. Do you know what it is? It's the national runner-up trophy. Like the second best team in the country. They just have it in a cafeteria to remind them of failure. God bless America. God bless you. Seriously. God bless you. You're every single other team in the country is battling is fighting, is wanting to get to the Final Four. They put highlight videos out. They put the trophy. They show the team being announced. They do all the stuff, but not Alabama. Alabama got whooped in the second quarter, actually the fourth quarter, by Georgia, and there it sits. Second place in the entire nation. And it's just a uh, participation trophy sitting there to remind them of, and I'm quoting players here, not me, their failure. That is so true. They ain't nothing better than an old Ricky Bobby. If you ain't first, you're last. And that's how Alabama feels. Now, I don't know. I've always said this about those type of things. I've always said, hey, look. All that motivation, the speech, the trophy, all that goes away with the first smack. And it does. But what I love about this, I absolutely love about this, is if I were an Alabama fan, I would think this is the greatest thing ever. I would think this to be exactly what I want my team to be. If I was an Alabama player, look, I'm going to go back and I'm going to be proud, maybe not at team reunions. I mean, I've always said this. In my career, we went to the Elite Eight, Sweet 16 a couple times. We won a Big Ten title, went to the NIT final. But, nuh-uh. I can't sit at the big boy table at Indiana when we have a basketball reunion. I can't sit there. That's for national champions only. No, there's only been like eight teams in the history of Indiana basketball. I could be wrong about this. Maybe it's nine. I don't know. That ever got to the Elite Eight. I'm on one of those teams. Five national champions. Those guys sit at the head table. Final four, uh, 2002, 1992. uh, I think there was another one earlier. 52, 49, something like that. They get to sit at the second table. Guy like me. Elite eight, only eight of them. Nuh-uh. no, nor, uh Look, at Alabama, ain't nobody even invited to the reunion if you haven't been on a national championship team. That's how cool it is. Can you imagine like all those guys that played for David Shula when they didn't win any games going, man, I wish I played during this time. You know, you never really want to have to make an excuse for when you played in college, right? And one of the things about playing right now at Alabama is, I guarantee you the first thing anybody asks an Alabama player or coach or trainer or manager you win national championship. How many national championship teams were you on? Oh, no, you know, we finished runner-up in 2021. Oh, you did? Who beats it, Georgia? Oh, yeah, I remember that game. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what people ask me at Indiana. When were you at Indiana? 82 to 85. 82 season three, four, five. Why 81 and 87 right around you for national. Yeah, yeah. Hey, but we won a Big Ten title. Hey, but we went to the Elite Eight. Yeah, nobody cares. Now you go to the Elite Eight at Indiana. Man, the NIL money would be incredible. The coach would get a lifetime contract. I hope for Alabama's sake, they never go back to being now where Indiana basketball is. Because I love what they're doing. I think this is one of the coolest things going. If you ain't first, you last. And I ain't mad about it. Hey, uh, we all heard about the Donald Trump raid, right? We all heard about it. Well, I got to tell you, what are they doing sniffing, sniffing around Melania's wardrobe? What's going on here, agents? What's happening here, fellas? Are we checking out the goods? Now, make no mistake, and I don't give a damn what anybody tells me. I don't even give a little bit of a damn what anybody tells me. Melania Trump is beautiful. Maybe the prettiest woman in the world. And I understand everybody's got their own tastes. I understand that everybody thinks in their own way. I would argue that only my wife is prettier than Melania Trump. So these guys, they went through her wardrobe. They said, what's going on in here? Now, I don't blame them. I ain't mad at them. Um, one of the things though, that I would be interested in is we're not planting stuff, are we? We're not finding stuff in there, are we? Now I get it. There's documents, mementos. We're all mad about all this stuff. There's certainly got to be more. And I actually agree with people that say, hey, Donald, if you're upset about the search, you got the search warrant. Show the world what they're looking for. I'm with you on that. I am. I'm with you. I mean, if we're all going to be upset, all right, let's go. But the truth of the matter is, why are we going through Melania's goods? Don't be creepy. Although I will say this, like if you're going to hide stuff in your house, might as well hide them in your wife's wardrobe. And if I'm going to be a thorough guy digging through stuff, I got to go through everything, man. It's like this. It's like when I went through my father, when my father passed away and we were at the house and we're going through his stuff, I found a 30 pack of Viagra, baby. Yeah, I did. What'd you do with them, dad? Right in the pocket. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) My dad was, uh, 80. (laughs) You got to go through everything you do. You got to go through everything. And there's no reason Melania Trump's wardrobe should be off limits. I tell you what should be off limits. Uh, I, I tell you what should be off limits. Like maybe not actually, but representative Scott Perry was at the airport and the FBI came, three of them, and seized his cell phone. Now you got to understand Scott Perry is a Trump guy. He is a Trump ally. He is a guy that, Hey, look, uh, you are all in on the Donald. Now, I'm not one of those and I'm not, I'm, common sense. And I've said this before. If Trump or representative Perry did illegal stuff, throw their ass in jail, throw their ass in jail. I'm not one of those that just sits here and says, well, you know, this is all a politically motivated scheme. I believe it to be, I think it is, but that's not all that I look at. I say, all right, there's gotta be something here, right? There's gotta be something here. Well, Scott Perry from Pennsylvania, he has been a figure in the probe of January 6th. Now, I am going to try, try to think the best in folks. I'm going to try to think that this raid on Trump, this seizure of a cell phone is going to lead to something that saves our national security in some way that is bigger than just napkins, that is bigger than just menus, that is bigger than just a political retaliation, because that's not what's supposed to happen here in the United States. All right. That's not what we're supposed to be about. We're supposed to be about, look, if I beat you in an election... You handle it with as much grace as you can, and we move on. Not if I beat you in election, or I think you're going to beat me in an election. We go and raid your stuff. I'm going to hope that this is simply a matter of national security and the last tactic that had to be used to secure our nation. Now, if you wanted to secure our nation, one of the ways you could do it, instead of $100 billion to the Ukraine, how about $5 billion to a wall? I digress because we're seeing what's happening in New York. The guy in New York, Eric Adams, is all crabby and he wants to take people down to Texas. I mean, it's insane. So if you're really about securing our nation, maybe this is something that has to happen. Here's what he says. Um, I'm outraged, not surprised the FBI under the direction of Merrick Garland's department of justice would seize the phone of a sitting member of Congress. Now there is a lot of things. Perry is the former senior justice department. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Perry played an important role in Trump's effort to try to install Jeffrey Clark. A top justice official who was pushing Trump's claim of election fraud as acting attorney general. This guy, Scott, was involved. There's all kinds of connections with this guy and Trump. The optics on this right now are bad from both sides, because I believe if Donald Trump thinks he's being wronged and there is nothing here more than looking for artifacts then just show the uh, search warrant and everybody will understand. That's simple. On the government side, going around and raiding the home of a opponent seems to be a bit beneath us. Seems to be a bit beneath what we have historically done here in the United States. Now, both can solve it. And we'll see how it comes out. Both can absolutely solve it. Trump can come out of this looking great. And frankly, I believe this. I believe if Trump comes out of this looking great, then the American meaning there is nothing where he's going to go to jail or he's got treasonous actions. I mean, if he's got a few menus and a few artifacts, who gives a rats? And if he does come out of this and he's going to win the next election by a landslide. Somebody on CNN said it yesterday, I don't know all the names and I don't want to know all the names, but they said this could potentially be a great thing for Trump. Yes, it certainly could. But going around without contacting a lawyer and seizing a sitting member of Congress, man, you know what happened today, last night, when this all went down, you see my cell phone, I'm actually on Twitter looking at you clowns, a lot of cell phones went in a lot of lakes. A lot of dusting up happened yesterday by our members of Congress and their aides. But again, all I'm telling you is this, if there's something there, let's see it. Both sides, Trump, if there's nothing there, let's see it. I'm no lawyer. I am common sense, but that's a what the hell. All right. Uh, We're hiring apparently 87,000 IRS agents. Wow. 87,000. That is a little scary. Somebody also told me we're hiring over 2,000 FBI agents. What are they looking at? What do you think 87,000? That's a pretty big city. Like, I'm glad when people get jobs. I like it. It's great. I'm not one of those guys that wants people fired. I'm not one of those guys that when he sees a job report and it comes out and it's good goes, Oh, I hate that because Biden looks good. I don't care about any of that. I want people to have jobs. I always have, I always will. And I ain't afraid about, but what are these 80,000 new IRS agents going to do? You know, as always eat the rich tax, the rich, I'm not rich. But I'm guessing I make more than most, and I pay out my you-know-what in taxes. Nobody pays more taxes than me, I feel like. Well, of course people do. I file every year. I pay. Then in the middle of the year, something comes back, and I'm either getting a refund or I got to pay a little more. It's like clockwork. I either pay too much, pay too, I don't know. But at the end of the day, one thing that I do is every check or everything that I do, I just put in a fund because I know I'm paying taxes. What are these 87,000? 87,000. That's the city of Bloomington, Indiana. That's twice the population of Indiana University. Damn near three times. It's 32,000 in Indiana. 87,000 agents couple hundred, or at least 900, I saw 900, a friend of mine told me 2,000, FBI agents. Look, I'm all for hiring more FBI agents if we're going to get them on the street and get rid of whatever the hell is causing all of our problems, whether it's guns, whether it's mental health, just do it. Do it. Pass every legislation that you can if you think it is, if you think it is going to help with the crime problem. Don't put in a bunch of crap in there but let's just make sure that that's what we're doing. Are we hiring people to spy on us? Are we hiring people to take our stuff? Are we, what are we doing? Somebody explain to me. Seems like we're all paying for a lot of this. I'd like to know what the hell we're paying for. Does that seem crazy? I think it does. I think it seems nuts. All right, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not, I'm not. I, I, You know, I know any time you just don't jump up and down, stand on your head and crap snowballs about all the different communities, then you are a hater. You are. I love all communities. I don't care. But some things are getting a little weird. Elite Nashville All-Girls School will now admit biological males who identify as females. Correct me if I'm wrong, fellers, but this is the school of Reese Witherspoon. So what does this mean? This school goes back to 1865. Amy Grant, Minnie Pearl, Reese Witherspoon. Live honorably, think critically. There's a new policy. Diversity, equality, and inclusion. A committee created a policy the policy claims trustees have heard from experts on the topic, shared educational articles, and consulted with other girls' school. Any student who identifies as a girl may apply, look, I'm cool, I'm cool, but man... So if today I identify, I want to go to this school, I can just say I identify as a woman. I mean, when do we stand up for women? When do we stand up for kids? I don't know. I, I'm sure I'm some kind of ass and I'm not smart enough to understand all this. This is way beyond me and I prove it every day. But at what point do we stand up for women? Young girls, girls. At what point? At what point do we stand up for children? At what point do we say, enough with the pole dancing, enough with tucking a buck with drag shows, enough with talking kids into, uh, talking about sexual identity at five years old, enough. Why don't we let boys be boys and girls be girls and guess what's going to happen? They'll all figure it out. The society is much more open and accepting. Now, I'm not saying it's perfect, but it's much more open and it's accepting. Now, if you want to be transgender, hell, I'm not going to lie to you. I've seen in the last month three different transgender, or at least people that appear to me to be transgender. I know that they were a guy dressed and speaking and I think transitioning into him. No problem. Society's more... But at what point... Can we allow, now that we're open, kids, children, to just make their own decision? It's not fair to a bunch of young ladies that go to this school and all of a sudden some guy says, hey, I identify as a woman. Really? You had a period? It's just, look, if you're transitioning and you want to be a woman, great. And there's nothing that I'm going to do here other than get in trouble by speaking on this, but it is What the Hell Wednesday, and this is a what the hell. Look, I am for kids. I've always been for kids. I have absolutely my entire life. I don't care whether your child is good in sports. It doesn't matter to me. I've run basketball camps for 24 years. I've always, always tried to do what's best for kids, but you cannot tell me That we're doing what's best for kids when we just say, hey, look, if you think you're a girl right now, you can go into this school. Or if you think you might be even a little bit gay at five years old, we're going to help you train. Let's let kids be kids, and I swear to you, they're going to figure it out, particularly now. Hey, look, 25 years ago, yeah, maybe you had to hide. You have to hide now. You're celebrated, and that's a good thing. I stand with you, man. I got no problem. None. But can we let kids be kids? It drives me nuts. As someone that has always, 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 when I was a high school basketball player, man, I snuck kids into our games. Come on with me. Biggest game of the year. There were these two little kids outside the door. I knew they couldn't get in. I'm like, you guys won't come in? Yeah. Dockage, why are there two kids sitting with you in the locker room? I just met them. My coach just went, I went out and got 38, and we won the game. Always, there's pictures of me putting kids on Assembly Hall's court, lined up during the halftime of a game. It pissed off Indiana University's administration. They tried to hide the basketballs for me. I was calling Indiana game. Halftime, I'd grab a basketball, bring a couple kids out of the crowd, and they would shoot. Then all of a sudden, the line got really long. Parents are coming down. It did get out of control. One thing I know is kids, and kids will figure this out. We don't need freaking some idiot that's trying to say, well, you know, don't tell your parents. Stop it. Kids look up to teachers. Kids look up to coaches. Kids look up to their older brother. Kids look up to their older sister. Kids look up to their aunt or uncle. Kids look up to people. Be an example. Don't be a shifter. Don't be somebody shifting somebody in a particular direction. It drives me crazy. Let kids be freaking kids. Son of a biscuit maker. It drives me nuts. (sighs) All right. When we come back, Trey Wallace, who covers the SEC, college football, college athletics, uh, covers it better than anybody is going to join us. I'm also got my big 10 preview. Yeah, that's right. My big 10 preview is awesome. Uh, Aaron, I'm trying to figure out a tease. When we come back, Trey Wallace is going to tell you everything you need to know about who's out in the new television mega deal that it looks like nothing's been finalized, that the Big Ten is getting ready to sign. And guess what? It doesn't include somebody that you have been used to seeing with the Big Ten for years and years and years. Dramatic shift in the landscape, television, college football. Trey Wallace, next. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Outkick.com has become the go-to place. You know, in July, tripled the traffic because of writers like Trey Wallace. If you want to know what's going on in football, and it's not just the SEC. It's in football. You go to this man right here, Trey Wallace. Trey, let's get right into it. Um, the, I'm going to go this route with you. A lot of news yesterday on the Big Ten and ESPN being out. Um, the Big Ten said, wait a second, we haven't finalized anything. Is there something last minute that could happen here to put ESPN back in? I, It, it would be tough in my opinion. Um, because
1: of what the Big Ten – I'm sorry, what the ESPN has with the Southeastern Conference. You have, you know, when, when they sign that deal that's going to go into place technically in two years uh, after the 23 season, ESPN is going to own all the properties pertaining to the SEC, meaning they're going to throw them on ABC primetime at night. They're going to throw them on in a 3.30 slot in the afternoon. And you know this. They're going to have all the college basketball rights, all the college football rights. So – there's really not a lot of room for the Big Ten. Um, I think I think when you look at ESPN, the other conference that could potentially you know make make some hay here is either the Big Twelve or the Pac Twelve. Um, but I think the Big Ten, I think that that's going to be done. And I think a lot of money, you know, is the amount of money that that CBS is is potentially willing to pay the Big Ten for one game per week. It's mind blowing, Dan. What is it? It's in the neighborhood of $350 million for one game per week. And and here's the kicker on all of that. The Southeastern Conference was only getting paid because of the crazy deal that they did in 1996. The SEC was only getting paid $55 million per year from CBS to be able to broadcast that primetime 3.30 afternoon game. And potentially and like once, a, once or twice a year, they would do a double header, but $55 million a year the SEC was getting compared to what the Big Ten can potentially get here in two years, or actually one year. It, it, no wonder that these things are going on right now. And that's why you saw the SEC say, okay, ESPN, we're all in with you. Give us all the money that you can. But it looks like the Big Ten, you know, could end up on uh, on three different networks and cash in in a different
0: way. And that includes uh, NBC. You know, when I was reading about Notre Dame, one of the things that I read was they, they want at least $75 million to stay independent. And to do that, I, you may have written it. I don't know. Somebody wrote it where it said, look, they need a lead-in game or a game after. Is that where the Big Ten and NBC – and Notre Dame combine here for a pre-game, not a pre-game, but a game before or a game after a Notre Dame Saturday on NBC. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what you're going to see. You, you know, Notre Dame plays
1: a decent amount of games in the afternoon. Um, even you know, if it's a if it's a great matchup, they'll play it at night. You know, um, but I think what the problem is. You got to fill that content void either on Peacock, which is their streaming channel, or you can throw it on NBC. So NBC's like, well, wait a minute. If we can get some of the Big Ten's, let's just say B Games, you know, um, then, then that's a possibility that opens up. Okay. We can throw that on in prime time at night, or we can, like you just said, have a lead in to what Notre Dame's doing, like these other networks do and throw them on at maybe like 2.30 Eastern or 3.30 Eastern in the afternoon, which would then lead into uh, to Notre Dame coverage. And that's where, you know, to be honest with you, that's where the Big Ten's going to make money, is piecing together different deals from different entities. And, and they're smart about this. They're making a lot of moves. And I think that NBC is going to be, you know, CBS is going to get that. Here's where it's going to get crazy. CBS going up against ESPN for that matchup on th- at 3 30 in the afternoon because if you're in the south <laughs> if you're in the south you know that at 3 30 every Saturday on CBS there's going to be the primetime SEC matchup of the game of the year uh or that weekend or however you want to put it what's happened is ESPN has always done the primetime eight o'clock game which is usually maybe it's Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, games like that. So now it's about to flip where the SEC is going to have their primetime game at 8 o'clock, not at 3.30. And now other schools and other conferences are going to have to try to figure out the afternoon slate.
0: Where's streaming fit in all this?
1: They're trying, Dan. I mean, you you look at Amazon, you look at Apple, two entities that are, you know, they want to get into the the college football realm if they they can. We've seen where Amazon has hopped into the NFL conversation. Um, If they can get, you know, back-end games out of the Big Ten, and I'm talking, and this is no hate, and it is what it is, but we're talking like a Rutgers game if they're not playing well, being able to just put them on, uh, and get people to draw attention and, and get to that network, then that's fine. Um, you know, you, you look at, you know, what, what does Apple do? You know, Apple's been doing a lot of Major League Baseball, but everybody wants to get in the college football game. And, and the good part about that is there are conferences out there uh, that, that could use it. I mean, who knows what happens when it comes to the Big 12? Um, because the Big 12 was shown a lot on ESPN and Fox. Uh, What happens with the Pac-12, Dan? I mean, for the time being, you know, USC and UCLA are still a property. Now, they're about to head off to the Big Ten and things are going to change. But there are still schools in that Pac-12 that they don't get poached that you always got to watch. And here's the biggest thing, too. Like, what does everybody in college football love? They love at the end of the day, after all the craziness has gone on and you get some good games and – even after the primetime game, they know at about ten thirty Eastern time, whatever nine thirty Central, wherever you're at, they know that they could pop on and there's some Pac-12 game that's about to pop off, and it, it, it'll take you till one o'clock in the morning, and that's how you wrap up your college football day. And that's the big. That's the market that these other networks are going for. They know that these late night, these nighttime games are going to be profitable when it comes to advertisement, as we've seen over the previous years. That's what they're trying to get into. And the money being thrown around, it's a lot. I mean, it really is. Um, when, When putting it all together, the Big Ten can come out of here with, you know, anywhere between 900 million all the way up to 1.1 billion dollars when it comes to all the networks combined, which is crazy. Thinking about where we were five to six years ago.
0: When I look at the Pac-12, and based on what you're saying, um, are they weirdly, based on what you said? I'm going to say that they are weirdly in a good position. Are they not? What kind of money would they be looking at? Because tell me if I'm wrong, but they've got Fox and ESPN going at it uh, as well. Because both networks had them them last year. Right. And and
1: that's going to be where I'm wondering how the cookie's going to crumble. Nope. You know, because this is an entity that you want to be a part of. Now, look, the conference is not going to be as strong. We get that without USC and UCLA. But for the time being, they've still got schools like Oregon, Washington, David Shaw out at Stanford. Um, there are other teams, Oregon State. Like the, there are games that people tune into. Um, you know, the, the the Civil War battle between Oregon and Oregon State, you know, that, that goes on. Um, the, the matchups you can get out of the Washington Huskies who hold a market you know, in the Northwest. So I think you're going to see ESPN try to pop in and try to get something done maybe on the back end with one of these conferences because they know all the extra content is going to help. But here's the biggest thing out of all of it, Dan, and this is what I appreciate the most out of these television deals is it's about college basketball as well. We're not just talking about college football. I mean, the Big Ten and ESPN. Think about just the relationship that they have had over twenty years, or whenever it's been a while. We always get those great Tuesday night games between Ohio State and Michigan or Indiana. What that that are no longer going to be a part of that. So. How does Fox handle that? Do they, you know, they're going to start hearing these games on FS1. You're going to see more primetime games over the weekend, you know, on Fox, you know, National Fox. It just, there's a lot of work to do because of the properties that they have, Big Ten Network, or, you know, which is a a property of Fox, and then you have FS1 and whatnot. But that's what stands out to me. Where is the basketball going? I know what the football is going to do. But to me is, I, man, those Tuesday night, Wednesday night crazy matchups we get out of the Big Ten that we all love, don't want to see that fall to the wayside. I, you know, I, I think that's one of the bigger things when it comes to some of these contracts, Dan.
0: You know, it's funny. I was talking to Jason Benetti, who just moved over to Fox, and our last couple years together doing um, games, whether it was Tuesday or Saturday, we we talked about it. You could feel like our team. You know, it used to be Super Tuesday. Tariko and I did the games. Uh, Same producer, Bart Fox. Same director, Scott Johnson. We had, whether it was Sam Ponder, Allison Williams, uh, Molly McGrath. We had great sideline reporters. But then over the last couple years, Trey, all of a sudden, and Benetti talked about this with me yesterday, all of a sudden, our Super Tuesday Purdue-Wisconsin game was moved to ESPN2 for a basketball Alabama against you know, not Kentucky. Always Kentucky moves the needle. but it it became the not Kentucky. It became like Alabama, not Vanderbilt. You know what I mean? And Benetti is like, Oh, we could see this coming in the big 10, uh, basketball anyway. So this basketball stuff is a big part of this because it is massive inventory for both, you know, ESPN loses a ton of inventory, but Fox bought the rights to basketball about five, six years ago. They divided them in half. I remember when they did it, a lot of inventory there, lo- leaving and coming to Fox. Yeah, and
1: I, I started to notice that change where they would throw on an Alabama versus LSU basketball game in, in the primetime spot. And when I say primetime spot, I'm talking about that 9 o'clock Eastern time. Uh, yeah. you know, type area um, where, yeah, you would have Super Tuesday or whatnot and you'd have the double headers or, you know, they might throw on the ACC in the first game and then you throw on, you know, the SEC, you know, like I- I've covered these SEC basketball games where your start times are not till nine o'clock Eastern, <laughs> you know, and it gets a little crazy, it gets a so late, but that's what we've grown accustomed to in the past. We've grown accustomed to some of these big time matchups that, that, you know, that we would get, in that time slot. And and so now with the inventory that you have and how many basketball games that you have and how you're wanting to make them premiere, like I think you're going to see something along the lines of Fox Sports 1, you know, is going to try to turn into what ESPN had when it comes to the Big Ten and and broadcast these games at, you know, 8 o'clock Eastern time, make them, you know, make them a focal point. Because I I think what, what was kind of lost, with ESPN sometimes is the matchups. And, and I think just throwing on these, these sometimes games that you wouldn't think need to be on at that time or on the network. And and it, it goes back to the contracts and the money. And I understand that, but I, I you know, to me, I'd rather see, you know, a Michigan Indiana game, you know, in prime time, something that I can watch on ESPN, you know, something that I could sit there and and click to because now we're seeing these where you get to go to ESPN plus or you have to stream the game or you have to find it on like the SEC network or even with the Big Ten network where you're having to see things like that. So I'm interested to see how Fox nationally takes care of college basketball because it's such a huge entity. Um, You know, you've got Gus Johnson uh, you know, under contract with there. You've got other great announcers under contract. So start, you know, make them a prime example of how we can put out there with college basketball and use them, Dan. And uh, I don't know, maybe we'll hear you on a call when it comes to some more Big Ten basketball in the future.
0: Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I like this job. <laughs> this job's fun. I do. Yeah, this job's absolutely. great. Absolutely. But hey, Let me go to this, though, because people are saying, you know, kids grow up watching ESPN uh, and ESPN promoting sports. I remember when ESPN had hockey, this is going back, you know, hockey was really promoted. Then they didn't have hockey, and they kind of, yeah, we'll have Barry Melrose, and we'll have a little bit. Now they have hockey, so now they have more shows. Do you think not being on ESPN hurts the Big Ten in terms of promotion slash exposure?
1: Huh, I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna hurt them in the first year or so or two years. People, here's the, you know the one of the biggest things too overall is people have to get used to this type of stuff. Um, it's different when you have these networks and whatnot, Dan, and 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 they are. I think promotion wise. Yes, there's going to be times where you're not going to get, and it all depends on the concept, but you're not going to get as much promotion or whatnot. They're not going to be advertising games for, you know, these four days out, I guess is probably how we we would put it. And once we get into the prime basketball season, like November is going to bring us a lot of great non-conference games, tournaments, whatnot, battle for Atlantis, the games in Brooklyn, you know, in Vegas or whatnot. So, Those are the games that you're going to try to see down the road these networks cash in on, you know, and and to have the rights to a non-conference game like that. I think overall, promotion-wise, I think it's going to take a little bit of time, but I think overall, I think the transition will be fine when it comes to Fox, but it's all about how much they make basketball a part of their content and how much that they want to put in and promote that sport because to me it's ratings galore when you have some of these games in the Big Ten um, just like it is you know for, for some of the SEC schools if you go in Kentucky or the ACC with North Carolina Duke and, and, and the list can go on and on it's all about promoting your product Dan if you're going to put that much darn money into it you better make sure the word is out.
0: Hey, when does all this take play? Let's assume that this deal gets signed uh, by Labor Day, okay? Uh, that gives them three weeks, whatever. Wh- when does this take – when does this start? So, the Big Ten
1: uh, would technically start with Fox in 2023. So, the start of the 2023 oh, wow. season. So the interesting deal about that is, is that they would actually get a year up on when the SEC actually starts with ESPN, because they don't technically start until 2024. So you could, if you're smart, and Fox, I know people at Fox are smart, you got you to gotta year up. Let's get out there. Let's see what you can promote. Let's see. Because... You're 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 still going to have some of these matchups in a sense. So, like the SEC on CBS, that primetime game in the afternoon for football, you know, that kicks off at two thirty or three thirty. You know, that's going to run out after the twenty three season. So, if you can pop in, you know, you, you've got to start figuring out a way now to take advantage of the situation that you're going to be in if the contract comes up a little early in Fox you know, has all the properties when it comes to, you know, whether that be the extra properties with the Big 12 or the Pac-12, you know, or throwing in what you're going to do with the Big 10. You got to make it happen because it's coming. I mean, two years, it's not a long ways away from when we're going to start rolling into this, even one year.
0: Hey, let me ask you. You go Um, big 10 network and all this owned by well partially half owned by Fox. Basically, Um, does this enhance the big 10 network? I think it's all about perception. I, I think that they have
1: to, there's a lot of things they need to upgrade when it comes to, you know, studios, when it comes to production, when it comes to, you know, them promoting the channel. You know, it, it's different. I, I live down here in, in, in the Tennessee area, the Smoky Mountains, and you know everybody knows about the SEC network. You know, and and it's because ESPN has put so much money into the network that that can't be the same. I can't say the same thing for like the ACC network. It, that just feels like some you know stepsister situation with ESPN. If Fox is smart, if the Big Ten is smart. They make the big 10 network a priority and they actually put some decent games on there with this new deal that's going to come up. And I think it presents them an opportunity to do that um, because again, once USC and UCLA hop into this conference, man, it's it's going to be like a rocket, Dan, and you're going to have some of these matchups where you better be damn well prepared to to, to put it on the national rankings, to have it on the, on the big 10 network, make sure make sure it is up to date and people know what they're watching and it's not some secondary broadcast network that you could just throw crap on you got to make that your premier type situation and i think if they do it the right way they're going to be okay if they don't they keep it the way it is now they reap what they sow and it's going to look just as bad as it does right
0: now you know what trey talking about the big 10 network I always go back to this. I'm old enough to remember Duke, North Carolina. When ESPN2 first came out, they put the Duke, North Carolina game on, the first one, on ESPN2. And they did it because they wanted people to know where ESPN2 is, right? I mean, when they first started it, I don't think we'll ever see Michigan, Ohio State football on the Big Ten Network. But to your point, they're going to have so many great games, I think the Big Ten Network just continues going up and up and up.
1: You know, I think the smart thing for the Big Ten Network would be this: is understanding that CBS, Fox, NBC—they're gonna get you know when it comes to football season and whatnot—that they're you know they're going to be the the football channels per se. And during basketball season, that changes a little bit. But if you're the Big Ten Network, and dive all in on hoops, man. Like just die look, I, I know you're doing football. I know you'll have some some different type of games on the Big Ten network that maybe not doesn't appeal to everybody else in the country, but what does appeal to the college basketball fan is good Big Ten basketball. So go 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 make that a staple point for your network. You know, even if you're 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 getting the you know one primetime matchup per day on Fox later in basketball season, when it starts on a Saturday or whatnot, then that's fine. But those Tuesday night games are where it hits. So go make sure the big 10 network is ready to go when it comes to promoting that sport, because I think that's something that they could actually profit from.
0: Hey, let me last thing before I let you go. I saw this and I love this. I absolutely love this. I love Alabama football, Putting their runner-up trophy in the cafeteria as a reminder for a participation trophy. That's awesome. If I were an Alabama fan, and I'm s i am i am one actually now, that would be the that's the greatest thing that I've heard. We ain't having none of this crap. None of it. We're out. Money to go home, Mickey s- Bobby. Shavin' knows what he's doing. Look, somebody's going
1: up to get their vegetables or you know, going up to get a protein shake and all of a sudden you look to your right and there's that participation trophy that says, you finished second? Is there a, not a better motivating factor than that? Nick Saban is very smart when it comes to mind games and he's doing it with his football team and I promise you it's going to pay off this year some way or the other.
0: Man, I mean, how many, let me ask you this. <laughs> if you take out Alabama... Is there any other team in the country that would treat a national championship game loss, conference title, and just being in the Final Four, and, and I'm going to use the wrong word here, with such disrespect? You know, you know what I mean. I mean, look, a, a lot of other schools
1: are hanging banners for stuff like that. Alabama's putting the damn thing in the oh. cafeteria. What does that have to take? Yeah. <laughs> it's over there next to the, the a hey, line Tren- on
0: Tuesday night. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Hey, yeah, I'm just going to get some vegetables. Hey, I'm a, I'm a freshman. Damn, that's pretty good. Man, yeah, national championship game. Boom, some older guy punches you. That ain't no good. That's a participation trophy. I love it. Trey, I love it. Uh,
1: it's 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 my tactics that you love to see out of Nick Saban other schools kind of do something like that but I don't think they came up with hey we're going to go put this horrible reminder that we lost in the national championship game you know right there in forefront on taco Tuesdays or you know it's just it's beautiful And And, and that's why you love Nick Saban
0: Yeah, you can say that we're disappointed, but no, with Saban and that crew, it's real. Trey, great stuff, man. Appreciate you hopping on today. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. Have a great day, buddy. You too. That's Trey Wallace underscore. Just follow him. I'm telling you. The dude knows everything. He's brilliant. He's a great writer. He covers everything. He's enthusiastic about what he does. Love having that man on our air. He's just great. And that's one of the reasons OutKick, the website, is just growing and growing and growing. I mean, it's insane. But if you didn't know what we're talking about, Nick Saban's national championship runner-up trophy is in the cafeteria, and the players refer to it as a participation trophy. I use it for What the Hell Wednesday, and I get such a kick out of it. I do. I, it just—it makes me laugh. It just does. It just—it—it—it's just. It, 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 it's just Because I could try that somewhere, like Dabo Sweeney could try that, or, you know, Ryan Day could try that. There's only a few programs. Notre Dame could try that, but no one's buying it, really. Like, no one's really saying, yeah, you're right, we finished runner-up. That's not good enough. That's not the history here. No, there's only one school that could do that. Now, I will tell you, Urban Meyer's Florida crew could do that. His crew could do that. But no other school, you imagine doing that somewhere, like even Clemson. Clemson's really good. Clemson's supposed to be in the mix. Dabo Sweeney's one of the all-time great coaches slash great stories in college football, right? He gets the interim job. Next thing you know, Clemson becomes a not only top-flight program, but you could argue number two, now that Urban and his crew are gone, number two in the country. And they set the tone, Clemson did, for how you're supposed to build facilities for players. That's what they did. But even if you put that up in Clemson, ain't nobody having that. No, only Alabama. There's going to be a time where my son Andrew is good enough that he's going to do that too. It'll be at Illinois State. They'll put up national championship runner-up trophies, and it'll be like, no, nah, not good enough. He just walked in. All right, uh, when we come back, ladies and gentlemen, bumpa a da ba bumpa a da bumpa da ba bumpa a da ba da ba da ba da ba da da ba My Big Ten football preview, including how they're going to finish, who the breakout player is going to be, who's going to be the player of the year, who's going to be a disappointing team. Hey, look, I sat at this desk last night slaving over a hot legal pad. Damn it. Respect the work. Stay right here. I'm going to tell you, and you're going to be shocked at who my player of the year is. When we come back, Big Ten Preview next. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. Hey, welcome back. It is Don't At Me, people. Don't even think about it. Or you can't at me, and I'll probably respond. That's how I do. Uh, Big Ten Preview Day, Big Ten football is starting. There is a lot of talk. We've heard it all about media rights. We just talked to Trey Wallace about it, but let's talk about what in the Sam and Henry is going on on the field. We begin, ladies and gentlemen, with my West preview. You look at the top. That's right. I got the Purdue Boilermakers on top. There's a variety of reasons for that. I don't mind their schedule. I don't mind their schedule at all, ladies and gentlemen. They do not play Michigan. They do not play Ohio State. They do not play Michigan State, they don't have to play those teams. Now I want you to think about that. If you're in the Big Ten, name me the three teams you don't want to play. Michigan? No, that's not first. Ohio State's first. Michigan? Michigan State. I think they're the three of the best teams in the league. You can argue whether Penn State's in there. You can argue Wisconsin. The only problem for Purdue, and I anticipate them going into Wisconsin on October 22nd, 7-0. I do. Now, look, here's the deal. I'm going to show you something. People are are kind of starting to figure this out. They're kind of sort of starting to figure out that Aiden O'Connell is a legitimate quarterback. Now, I'm not saying he's the best quarterback in the country. I'm not saying that at all. But I will tell you this, Aiden O'Connell, from the time He got promoted, which was basically a couple games in. It became his team. Listen to this. He had 28 touchdown passes in 2021, second most in the Big Ten, most by a quarterback from Purdue since Curtis Painter had 29 in 2007. But here's the kicker. This is where I want you to pay attention. 19 touchdowns in his last five games three interceptions. Now, you say to me, David Bell, gone. Milton Wright, gone. I say to you, and a lot of my friends, Ryan and Dylan and, oh, I don't know, Clay and everybody is around Nashville. What was in Nashville? The Music City Bowl. Who played in the Music City Bowl? Purdue. Who won the game? Purdue. Purdue. Who didn't play? David Bell. Who did play? Brock Thompson. What did he do, Dan? Well, Brock Thompson, I'm reading here, went for 217 yards versus Tennessee. You talk about momentum in your program. I wish they had Milton right. Everybody and their mother understood, my dog got in there, understood that David Bell was going pro, and he is going to be a terrific pro with the Cleveland Browns. But Purdue does have to go to Wisconsin. That's not going to be easy. They do have to go to Minnesota. Schedule is important here. And momentum from last year is important here. They got Iowa at home, Penn State at home, Maryland, IU. That's the teams they play from the East. Those are the three. And frankly, you're going to know about Purdue September 2nd, Opening night, Ross aid packed. People are already talking about it. You're going to know about them immediately. I've got them to win. I've got them to win the West. And I've got them to play here in Indianapolis in the Big Ten Championship game. Their quarterback is that good. He is the first – this is the first time basically, basically since David Blah that they have had a solid foundation all summer long at quarterback. Now, People said, well, Dan, Aiden O'Connell didn't look great in the spring game. Stop it, stupid. It's practice. It's practice. Nothing other than practice. We ain't mad about it. I don't want to hear about it. Second, and hey, look, I'm not saying Wisconsin can't win. And I got to tell you something. I'm rooting for a kid, second place, Graham Mertz. Graham Mertz, to me, he's been a starter there. Highly touted, blah, 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 blah. I like guys that have gone through some ish. I do. I like guys that have gone through stuff. I like guys that have said, you know what? I'll tell you what. Uh, People are on my backside. I'm not quitting. I'm getting after it, and away we go. And Graham Mertz now is a junior is a guy that has to play well for Wisconsin. You know Wisconsin's deal, right? Graham Mertz, control the football, get it down the field, couple good wide receivers, big old offensive line, but the key is Braylon Allen. Braylon Allen, 6'2", 240 pounds. I'm going to talk about him a little bit later, but Braylon Allen to me is the latest in line of the Ron Danes, you name them, the great running backs, James White's, Name a guy. They got it at Wisconsin. I mean damn. But to me, Wisconsin has one advantage over Purdue. One. And that is they get to play Purdue at home. That is a huge deal. I imagine if in fact Purdue is 7 and 0 as they come into or excuse me, as they come into Camp Randall and everybody's jumping around, I got to imagine that is going to be a night game that is going to be absolutely freaking insane. That's just my thought. And an insane game at Wisconsin, I would argue Wisconsin is probably going to be about 90% winning percentage on an insane game. That's how I look at it. That's the one advantage that Wisconsin has. Now, Wisconsin is going to ground and pound you. Wisconsin has to go to Ohio State. Wisconsin has to go to Michigan State. That's Wisconsin has to go to Iowa. Wisconsin has to go to what I think is going to be a much-improved Nebraska team. That's why I like Purdue, to the win over Wisconsin. All right, next, the Iowa Hawkeyes. Again, same thing here. So I'm reading up about the Big Ten. And Spencer Petras. Petraeus, whatever, the quarterback. People are like on this guy's backside. Everybody says, now Spencer Petraeus, who's in his 72nd year as a quarterback at Iowa, For better or worse, is what they say. Look, you're older, you got some dudes, let's go. Seriously, if I'm Spencer Petraeus, I'm listening to everything. People say, don't listen, I'm listening. Why am I listening? Because at some point, everybody needs to go Michael Jordan. At some point, you need to say and face your critics and say, you know what? I'm just going to kick the living hell out of you. That's it. I'm just going to be better. Iowa's got to go to Ohio State. That ain't great. Iowa's got to go to Purdue. Wisconsin comes in. Iowa's got to go to Minnesota. I'm not mad at Michigan. Comes into Iowa. Iowa's got to go into Rutgers. The Greg Shihino, the Greg Shafi, whatever the hell his name is, Shiano, he's chopping wood. Don't forget, Iowa has the best corner in the country in Riley Moss. I was going to have athletes. Iowa lost their running back, but that don't matter. They'll find another running back, but here's the deal. Do you really believe in a Kirk Ferentz team? Do you really believe when Purdue on an uptick, Wisconsin being who they are, do you really believe that Kirk Ferentz and that crew is going to be good enough to get to the Big Ten championship game? I do not. Nebraska. Snake bit. Snakebit has a tendency to turn around. I almost put Nebraska ahead. I almost did. I didn't do it. I wanted to do it. I almost put Nebraska ahead of Iowa. Why? Because I believe water finds its level. They had some horrific losses last year. There's a lot of heat on Scott Frost. And I say this, it's not like Scott Frost doesn't know how to coach. I mean, it's not. Three and nine. So what'd they do? They brought in the seventh-ranked transfer class in the country. 16 transfers. Now, Casey Thompson, quarterback, Texas. Why are you leaving Texas? Well, you're leaving Texas because that Ewers kid comes in, and next thing you know, you're not going to start because of all the stuff with this Ewers kid. So you go to Nebraska. You get to play in front of, I believe, the best fan base in the country. You're joined, ladies and gentlemen, by TCU pass rusher, Kid named Mathis, not Robert Mathis, Ochon Mathis. Now, look, here's the deal. 16 transfers, so you got an older team. Can you mesh them? I don't know. But I do know this. They're not going to be three and nine again. I'll bet you money that they end up over 500. Now, here's the deal. November. Listen to this in November. Home against Minnesota. Home against Wisconsin. Away against Michigan. Away against Iowa. That's tough sledding. You want to know what's going to decide their season? Those two home games. You can get off to a great start. There's always games that decide it for you. Okay? There's always games. And those two home games are going to decide their season. You got to win them. If you can split with Michigan, split with Iowa, that's great. I don't know. I have no idea what Scott Frost needs to do to salvage his career at Nebraska, but I do know this. You get snake bit. You lose so many late-game leads. You lose so many one-score games. It's going to turn around for you, assuming you have enough talent, and I think they do. Don't be surprised if Nebraska isn't the sleeper team in the Big Ten West this year. I don't have them there yet. I'm anxious to see what reports are about Casey Thompson, but do not, do not be surprised. Row your boat guy wears me out. And I don't know why. P.J. Fleck, I'm sure, is a great guy. And he's got a kid named Tanner Morgan who has been the quarterback at Minnesota forever. And I hope Mo Ibrahim comes back after being hurt early, maybe the first game last year, and out for the season. He's terrific running back. I don't buy him. I'm not spending a lot of time on them. I'm not spending a lot of time on Northwestern. And my beloved – well, they're not my beloved – they're Illinois. I like Brett Bielema. I like Brett Bielema because there's a great picture of Brett Bielema walking around Vegas shirtless with a drink and swim shorts. Last year, Brett Bielema, I told everybody they're going to keep it close because they had all these super senior six-year guys, and then they all fell apart. I ain't buying Brett Bielema at Illinois until Brett Bielema does something. But Minnesota, Northwestern, Illinois, Minnesota's the best out of them. Veteran quarterback. Terrific running back, roll-your-boat guy, seems to have motivated folks. But I ain't wasting time. I got to get over to the East. (laughs) Are you kidding me? I got to get to the East. The East is where it's at. Back in the day, they used to say, man, groovy. That's where it's at, man. Well, the East is where it's at. It's the hardest division other than whatever the hell that division Alabama's in uh, in the SEC. All right, here's the deal. Number one on the hit parade is the Ohio State University. Don't at me. Seriously. Ryan Day's crew, what do you need? What do you want? What do you got? What do you want? You want a quarterback? They got a quarterback. Do you remember watching the Rose Bowl when basically every wide receiver at Ohio State said, yeah, I'm not playing? Jackson Smith uh, Jabba, I think is his name. Hell, I don't know. He was great. No, he wasn't really. He was great. Like, he was better than anybody at Ohio State had. I love Travion Henderson. Travion Henderson's a running back. Travion Henderson went for 1,200 yards and 15 touchdowns last year. The Achilles heel of the Ohio State University has been their defense. Their defense is one of those that bends and bends and bends occasionally breaks. Well, guess what? Ryan Day did what smart coaches do. He fired his defensive coordinator. He brought in Jim Knowles from Oklahoma State. Now, I got to tell you, Jim Knowles has an unbelievable reputation. But my way of looking at it is, really? We're getting a guy from the Big 12 to be our defensive coordinator slash linebacker coach? That's where we're going? Ah, cool, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, Ohio State has Michigan at home and isn't really that the only one that matters. One thing they do have to do, they've got to go to Penn State. I looked this up. It's to be determined, really. When do you think that time between Penn State and North Ohio State is going to be? What game time do you think? You know what it's going to be. It's going to be a whiteout. It's going to be a whiteout in Happy Valley, what Urban Meyer called, the toughest environment he's ever coached in. I don't know if you know this, but Urban Myers coaching some pretty tough environments. Look, Ohio State is the cream of the crop. C.J. Stroud is the favorite for the Heisman by those of of you that don't know enough. This guy knows enough. I'll get to that uh, later. Michigan. Interesting thing about Michigan. No more Jabo. No more Aiden Hutchinson. No more. No more. Also, Cade McNamara led uh, Michigan to his first victory since I was a child over Ohio State. But Cade McNamara, that wasn't good enough. J.J. McCarthy is doing this. You know what that is? Breathing down your neck. That's what he's doing. It's a legitimate competition. It's a legitimate quarterback competition. But the real deal is what is Michigan's defense going to be? How good is Michigan's defense going to be? I don't have the answer to that. I don't think anybody has the answer to that. But one thing you gotta like about Michigan is man, they just keep getting guys. Remember Quitty Pay? Quitty Pay was a first-round pick of the Colts. Now the next thing, Hutchinson, Jabbo, all these guys. The defensive front will always have guys. So Michigan. I'm sure it'll come down to Michigan at Ohio State. It seems like it has done that since I was playing kick football on my knees watching Keith Jackson call three yards in a cloud of dust. I'm sure it'll come down to that. I just don't think they have enough. Now, injury plays a big part in the season. Maybe Michigan can jump. I just don't think they have enough. The next team, I debated this. I debated, all right, who am I digging here? Am I digging Michigan State? Or am I digging Penn State? I'm digging Michigan State. Let me go through this for you. And it is simply this. Both teams have veteran quarterback that you kind of like. Both teams have coaches that you kind of like. Mel Tucker came into Michigan State, did a phenomenal job. They got up as high as third in the country, fell apart a little bit. All right? Uh, James Franklin's done a really good job at Penn State, keeping interest, recruiting, all that kind of stuff. All right, fine. All right, but here's the deal. Um, Schedule. Let me go through this with you. Penn State at Purdue, at Michigan, at Rutgers, at Indiana, home against Northwestern, Minnesota, Michigan State, Ohio State, Maryland. Michigan State, away, away is always important. Maryland, Illinois, Michigan, Penn State. Home, Minnesota, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Rutgers, and Indiana. Uh, I'm going with Michigan State over Penn State just based on schedule. I'm not exactly sure why. Neither are going to beat Ohio State. Both are going to beat Indiana. Both are going to beat Rutgers. I think the Purdue game at Purdue is what separated it for me. You got to go to Purdue and Michigan – as opposed to Michigan State going to Michigan and Penn State. I'm all jacked up on this. But for some reason, I believe in Mel Tucker just a little bit more than I believe in James Franklin. Sean Clifford is the quarterback of Penn State. He's all involved in wanting media rights and all that. That's great. Good for him. That also factored in my decision. I'm going to take Michigan State over Penn State again. I'm not exactly sure why. Uh, At Indiana, we got a problem. A year ago, Indiana was the team. They are the team. Go fight with Indiana. Everybody wants to play for Tom Allen. A funny thing happened at Indiana. This is where I'm a genius. I told Indiana fans, the number one thing that you got to be able to do, and and Indiana football has never been able to do, I mean never, never, is handle expectations. I'm talking about modern, never. Let's say since, I don't even know. Expectations have never been too high at Indiana. But I'm talking about Indiana because, well, frankly, um, I want to. They're my school. But last year, they had expectations. Tom Allen and I talked about it a lot. Like, he took all of these, you're on this watch list, and he wrapped them up, and he threw it in the garbage can, and he said, hey, look, this is what we got to do. I said, okay, Tom, they never did it. Indiana, I'm telling you, Indiana basketball, Mike Woodson understands expectations. Mike Woodson understands being on campus. Mike Woodson understands all that kind of stuff. So I expect Indiana basketball to be better, really good this year. Indiana football to me, Indiana football to me has never and will never until proven differently – Handle expectations. This year, there are no expectations. This year, after a year where they lost every stinking game, every game in the Big Ten, didn't win a game. There's none. Zero. Zip. So there you go. I think they'll win some games because of that. Rutgers, Greg Schiano's a hell of a football coach. You can get mad at me. You can get mad at me. But I'm telling you, he's a hell of a football coach, and the worst coach in the country is that guy at Maryland. Look up his record, please. Stop. The worst football coach in the country is Mike Loxley at Maryland. I don't give a damn if he went and got cleansed. I don't give a damn what he did. He's the worst football coach in the country. I don't give a damn about any of them. I got him last, and I'll always have him last. Tua Tungavailoa's brother is the quarterback, and he's all right. He's all right. But they got to play from the West Wisconsin and Purdue. They're going to get their brains beat out all year. Mike Loxley legitimately the worst hire in the history of college football at New Mexico. Somehow some way he revived himself. So there you go. Who do I have in a championship game, ladies and gentlemen? You see it right there. Purdue and the Ohio State University. It is going to be awesome here in Lucas Oil Stadium. It is going to be fantastic. It is going to be Oh, I don't know. Can going to be a lot of beer drank, a lot of boilers going, whoo-hoo, boiler up, boiler up, boiler up. They're going to get waxed by Ohio State, but that's all right. Player of the year in the Big Ten, don't at me. No, it's not C.J. Stroud. It's right there, that guy, Aiden O'Connell. I gave you his numbers earlier. Nineteen touchdowns in his last five games, only three interceptions against the number three team in the country at the time, Michigan State. The number four team in the country, uh, what's it called? Ohio State. Tennessee in the bowl game, Northwestern with a defensive coach in Indiana, their rival. 19 touchdowns last five games. He was the best quarterback in the league last five games. Don't at me either. Player of the year, I'm not saying he's winning the Heisman, but if he does, I'm a genius will play well enough that people will discuss it. But the beauty of this is you're going to know on September 2nd, breakout player is going to be Braylon Allen. This dude, look at him. Seriously, look at him. He he had 1,200 yards last year for Wisconsin as a true freshman. A lot of Travion Henderson, and I love Travion Henderson, but see this guy right here? Don't be surprised if Wisconsin doesn't have a monster year, because I do think Grant Mertz is going to have a much better season. Don't be surprised if all of a sudden this guy here becomes this year's Kenneth Walker III, the kid from Michigan State that was dynamite. Don't be surprised by any of this. Just don't be. This guy is going to have a monster year. I would put Aiden O'Connell as my breakout player But, hell, he broke out the last five games. And that would be like I'm favoring Aiden O'Connell, which I am. I don't even know the kid. He's got a great stash now, though. Anyway, this guy will be the breakout player right here. He will be. The breakout guy. All right? Book it, Dano. All right, let's go. Woka-dope. And, by the way, hold on a second. By the way. I am going to revisit this. Hey, Ryan and uh, Dylan, make sure that you've got this archived because I'm going to address whether I'm brilliant or whether I'm stupid. (laughs) I think most of you would say stupid. I think my wife would say brilliant. That's right. That's right. We're in love. All right. Who we woke-a-doping today? Who we got? I want to see some woke-a-dope. We got a couple minutes here every day at this time. Oh, man. Eric Garcia, you are a dope. Only a. So you go from, they've already said it's easier to audit poor people. So that's what you're critical. And then all of a sudden, Well, only a tax cheat. I mean, can we just simply, can we one time, one time just stay with something? One of the things that I see out of folk is guys just talk. Guys just say stuff. Guys are just like, well, you know, I'm going to say this. I don't know, man. I'm all for you, Eric. You know, I just looked at your Twitter bio and you are a Marine, so I'm going to let it go. I am. We normally don't look at Twitter Biles, but I didn't know who you were, so I'm just going to let it go. There's so much on there. I mean, we're hiring 87,000 IRS agents. What are they going to do? What the hell are they going to do? Are they going to play Parcheesi? No, they're coming after us. What is going on here? I'm going to leave you with this. 87,000 people hired at the IRS. What are they going to do? Don't they have to do something? I'm not a tax cheat. I've told you before, I pay a blank ton of taxes. And then usually I pay more or I, maybe I get a little bit of a refund in the middle of the summer. It's like every year. And I do it every year. My guy, Jody's my tax guy. I give him everything I got. I wouldn't begin because I have a conscience that crushes souls. But I gotta ask you, what are 87,000 IRS agents gonna do? You think they're only gonna look at people making over $400,000 a year? You think, I mean, from what I'm being told, that's 1%. What are they, a lot of people in this world, what are they gonna do? They're coming for us, is what's gonna happen. And I don't even know what that means. I have no idea what that means. But one thing I do know is 87,000 people being hired by an agency to audit all of us at some point that we all have to answer to. They got to do something. And it ain't going to be to send Christmas cards, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to be at Colts camp today, so if you want to know what's real about the Colts, check me out. 107.5. The fan is where we're going to be. Colts camp is fun. Colts camp is high energy. I don't know if the Colts are any good, but I like going. I do. Uh, Thanks to our friends. Ryan, great job. Great graphics today. Dylan, thanks for getting the whole show hooked up. Davey, I don't know what the hell you do, but every once in a while I get a text message from you, and I like it. But mostly, thanks to you all. Tomorrow, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I'm going to get more involved with the YouTube chat. I didn't get on the YouTube chat today. I'm too busy spewing greatness today. But tomorrow, we go to the YouTube chat. Everybody has, tomorrow also, we're giving away 30 bikes. Uh, Dockage cycles for the city. If you want to get involved, go to indianasportscorp.org. Inspire Youth is a tab. Click that tab. Scroll down. Dockage cycles. There's a link. It's easy. We're getting ready to give away a ton of bikes. I think we're giving away 30 tomorrow by a great dude named Austin Taylor at the Indianapolis City League to a bunch of kids. I'm going to be there. I can't wait. We'll talk more about that tomorrow. Everybody have an awesome freaking day. Enjoy it. Let's go. Go to 107.5thefan.com if you want a little bit more of this.